Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. Episode 73, A Proper Plan for Technology, Part 4. Well, Part 4 of a podcast, gosh, um, it's turning into a mini-series here. Um, but um, if you have just tuned in to part four, parts one, two, and three are uh, in the bag. Uh, parts one, uh, just for those of you who haven't listened to it, is all about the history of technology and education. It goes through a bit of a museum of devices, uh, a little bit of a nostalgic look back. Part two is where I examine the failings of uh, the government and the NCTE in terms of rolling out technology and education uh, from the 1990s onwards. And part three is all about your basic classroom setup, what you need to have in your school before you move on when you're spending your money. Uh, Part four is all about uh, carrying on that uh, conversation about your basic needs. Uh, Where we left the last time is we talked about uh, basically using Apple devices, Google devices or Microsoft devices and what you should do um, rather than claiming to be, uh, you know, I suppose loyal to one of those brands. There are other things to do before you do that. So I guess without further ado, let's get straight into part four of If I Were the Minister for Education, where I would do a proper plan for technology. Hello, hello. You are more than welcome to episode 73, part four of this episode uh, of If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. This is Simon Lewis, who is absolutely baffled by the fact that he could talk about something for over two and a half hours, as this is probably going to end up being, which is why it's been uh, divided up into at least four parts, probably five the way I'm going at the moment. Um, I hope, if nothing else, uh, it's mildly entertaining. Um, And um, if it isn't, well, look, it might help you go to sleep at night you can use it for that asmr thing i might maybe i should whisper these episodes so it sounds nice in your ears um, and maybe change some rhythm patterns or start banging on things or whatever it might be but no i will not do that let us get on with with the task in hand where i left you before was uh, the basics of a classroom the basics of a school where we talked about wi-fi we talked about uh, buying teacher devices we talked about uh, centralized printing and now we're going to move on uh, to um what you need to do uh, in terms of basics. I've given you a bit of technology that you need to buy, but really, before you start buying the technology, I think before you buy a single device for children, you need to come up with a plan. And my ICT plan, if, you know, is, I suppose, like if you were relying on the delivery of the ICT framework uh, plan, which was uh, published in 2015 and was supposed to last till 2020, my advice for you would be to completely ignore it. Um, because, ah, look, it, there's nothing wrong with the framework per se, okay? It, it, well, there is. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of annoying. Um, read the framework, really, rather than going on a course uh, on it. Because the mad thing about the, the framework is the actual framework itself is okay. Um, if you read it, because it, the only thing it's very long. So what the PDST Technology and Education did was they gave these they give these webinars or these seminars all the time about it. And I don't know why they summarize it the way they do. But the way the PDST uh, Technology and Education delivered these seminars was bizarre. And I said in one of the earlier parts of this episode um, 
the delivery of the framework was mad. It was absolutely mad. They basically tried to shoehorn a really generic framework, which is kind of a sort the sort of it's the same framework as SSE. Um, and the way they try to do it is they try to shoehorn the ICT framework into SSE. And as it was so generic, I was able to do almost anything with the plan. I, I, gave, I give the example of buying a dog using the ICT framework. And um, I don't think I'll do it here, but I, I did it in a previous episode. But the last time I ever presented at the IPPN conference uh, it was a few years ago. It was a session where I presented the ICT framework and I showed how I could buy a dog using the framework, as I said. And in the audience, as I was doing this, I, I kind of, I suppose, I, I, <laughs> I felt like a naughty boy, really, as I was doing. I kind of, when I, when I entered the room, I gave the morning. I had to give it twice because uh, these sessions are, are divided that way. Uh, so I went into the, the morning session, I gave it and it was grand. But in the afternoon, I went in to give the, to repeat the seminar. And in the audience was someone I knew from the PDST who, um, who was, sitting there and I imagine oh my gosh I imagine um I, I'd say if we were friends before we weren't friends after because I went I I really went hell for leather against it anyway she must have complained um <laughs> she must have complained because I've never asked back I was never asked back to the IPPN to give a seminar on technology and the people who now deliver the IT uh, segment of the IPPN conference is uh, the PDST technology and education and to be honest with you, they're still trying to peddle the OWL framework um, with their buying a dog um, uh, kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, I always, I you know, I suppose, ah, look, maybe it isn't that. And, you know, the IPPN used to be a bit of a renegade. Uh, they used to be a bit more interesting. They used to be, there was, it was always a bit more fun. It's become very staid, as we know lately. I mean, it is, um, it's still fun. I love it. I love going to it. But all the, you know, all the talks are safe. It's safe. You know, I suppose they would say they've matured as an organisation. I would say they've got boring. And, um, you know, you need something cheeky happening. You need someone to go in and say something controversial. You need someone to go in and, you know, you know, do you remember the days when Sean Cottrell, some of you were principals for a long time. Do you remember the days Sean Cottrell would stand up and you had no idea what he was going to say? And it was always really funny. It was always really entertaining. And he always had to go at the minister. And it was always really cheeky. It was always, and it was, it was, there, was, there was no venom to it really. But, it, you know, he got the points in in a way. Nowadays, you know, you kind of, it, it's almost like, you know, you know when um, the government are about to release a memo, you get, uh, you know, you get told what someone is about to say. It's expected that Fianna Foyle will announce blah, blah, blah later today. And then they, you know, the, the politician will come out and say exactly what you knew. Everything's so scripted now. Everything is, there's no volatility anymore. It's all, oh, you know, it's, it's vanilla, you know, in a way. But look, the problem, let's get back to this framework and the planning. The problem with the framework is the same that's a problem with every other framework that's out there and every other plan that has come to schools when it comes to technology and education since 1997, since the IT2000 plan. It just isn't specific enough and it doesn't tell schools what they need to actually do. Um, that, that, I know that might sound like such a basic thing. It doesn't give you a list of things you should do. Um, it it kind of gives you these vague targets, which, you know, I don't, don't give enough. And back in the old days when the NCTE, as they were known, did have some guides, they always fell short of offering a kind of foundation for every classroom. You know, I mean, I'm giving you the foundation for a classroom in the last episode, but basically there are things you need to have 
in every classroom. And you know, and these, and here is a list of things you need. That's what you, that's what you know. And I know, I absolutely understand why they didn't do this. You know, they couldn't do it really, to be honest with you, because they weren't giving money to schools. So they couldn't actually tell you what to buy uh, because who were, it wasn't their business. It wasn't their money. And um, because they would have had to, because again, the government would have had to fund them if they were asking uh, for schools to buy them. So the vagueness meant that cake sales and Tesco vouchers could cover things. And, you know, they had to give, you know, kind of suggestions and stuff like that or, or vague things. However, since 2015, 2016, there has been a regular ICT grant given to schools. And it's now possible to say things like, OK, schools, you need to have these basics in your school over the next five years. And now this is after that, you can start your planning of what you do with them. The current framework does have a separate booklet with loads of information, but it's it's over 60 pages and over 90% of it isn't practical. And this is a problem with these glossy books. They, they feel they need to have a lot of pages because it justifies their existence. But 90% of it is forwards and, and graphs about nothing. And we need to keep things simple. If you can get it down on a page, get it down in one page. Forget 60 pages and really, really simple stuff. And to me, this is how simple things should be. This is it. This, I'm just, this is if I was if I was the minister for education, I was providing this sort of stuff. Okay, um, instead of producing these glossy books with silly pie charts and executive summaries, which no one will read, we need practical things. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to bring back a hero of mine again into the frame. And I've touched on this uh, man in in a previous part of this episode, and it's Robbie O'Leary. He's back um, into the equation here because again, again, like always, Robbie had the answer. Um, and I mean, I, I, I used to joke, you know, uh, when it came to technology and education, um, you know, the way there's this uh, phrase, what would Jesus do in any certain situation? My thing was, what would Robbie O'Leary do when it came to technology and education? And the other thing, though, in a surprising twist to this podcast, I'm actually going to give some kudos to Richard Bruton, of all people, the former minister for education. Mm. Um, anyway, very controversial for me. So let's start with Robbie. For me, whenever there was a practical problem, Robbie O'Leary always had a good answer. It may not have been the right answer all the time, but it was a good answer for the time. So when an inspector report came out in 2005 to say that only 4% of teachers were using ICT regularly, me and Robbie were working at the time uh, together. And to be honest, we were really depressed about this fact because we loved technology and we still do. Uh, well, I certainly do. I don't, I, 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 Rob, Robbie's retired now. Um, and um, I remember we were really depressed going, what are we going to do? So we went out for a pint as you do, because uh, this is where all good decisions are made when you go out for a pint. And um, basically, we had a pint and we came up with the digital school flag idea. And he went off and he made it happen. Uh, and that's why you have the Digital Schools of Distinction Award. And Robbie was behind this from the very beginning. And while neither of us realised at the time, that wasn't the thing that was going to make ICT um, 100% used in schools. I mean, it would be absolutely wrong of us for, of me to say the digital school flag solved all the problems because it didn't. Um, you know, obviously it didn't. And it was a, I, I, it was a decent idea, um, but it, it certainly wasn't the thing that made people use technology more. Um, obviously, that accolade goes to interactive whiteboards in 2008, which I touched on earlier. It was a practical idea, though, to incentivize teachers to use technology. And this is what it was about. You know, how can we have a problem? Teachers aren't using computers. Well, how about we incentivize them? At the time, green flags were all the rage. Well, what about a digital school flag? And in a way, it worked a little bit. 
Robbie and I also collaborated on a number of ideas, including writing and developing Irish educational software when it wasn't around, and when software still wasn't being developed by the government for schools, like most other English-speaking countries, Robbie uh, went off on his own as well, and he found a, found a, a piece of software called Literacy Activity Builder and another one called Numeracy Activity Builder, and effectively, he uh, um, in, uh, basically uh, wrote an entire English and numeracy programme uh, using Literacy Activity Builder and Numeracy Activity Builder, which allowed pupils in Ireland to have games-based learning before it was widely accepted as a good way for children to learn, especially those with additional needs. Um, I could go. I could actually do a whole episode of this podcast dedicated to the work of Robbie and his impact on education. And I might actually do that one day because I think he deserves it. But I do want to focus on one other project that he decided to take on with Dublin West Education Centre. And, and, and you'll be kind of going, oh, he does actually have a point here, Simon does. I do. And it was the publication of three books. Um, and those three books were all called ICT in the Primary Classroom. And um, the, first of the, uh, the first of the three books was called Just ICT in the Primary Classroom. And it concentrated generally on practical, practical ways. And I, I emphasise the word practical there. I nearly shouted it, didn't I? Uh, practical ways that you could use ICT in a primary classroom. The second book focused on literacy and the third book focused on numeracy. And despite being over 10 years old, these three books, they are mainly still relevant uh, relevant, and they should have been a template for any PDST publication in the future on using ICT in education. And, and, and I mean, that's, I, I feel that strongly about how good they were. You see, the thing that was revolutionary about these books was they weren't wordy documents with loads of references, loads of tables and charts and stuff like that. They were simple, practical guides to using some aspect of ICT in specific situations written by practising primary school teachers with an interest in technology. There was nothing... um, Nothing unachievable about them. The big thing about these was they were simple ideas. And if you're of a certain age, you'll if and you find these books because they could be in your school. You'll find loads of blasts from the past as authors in there. These were the people that were uh, using technology in their schools all the time and have gone on to do bigger and better things and so on and so forth. The trouble is, despite these books being made available to every school in the country, there hasn't been any follow up since. Robbie's now retired, as I said, from education completely. And to be honest, I'm personally disappointed he didn't stay in the game as an advisor or something like that, because I think he, I still think he, he, he had much to do uh, in the world of technology. And he was, and I sh- I'm sure still is, a brilliant thinker. However, what can we learn from Robbie's work? Well, when I wasn't banished by the IPPN, I came up with an alternative plan of action for schools. In a way, it's inspired by by Robbie's books. And while it hasn't taken off, I coined three rules for using technology in education back in 2008, nearly um, over 10 years ago. And I still think they hold perfectly well these days. And when you're thinking about technology in education, the only plan you need to have are three questions. You need to ask yourself three questions. Question one, what do you want children to learn? So... It depends, you know, and I'll, I'll answer some of these questions. Just give me a second. So, um, <laughs> as if as if you're going anywhere, just give me give me a second here. Um, question one. So, what do you want children to learn? Question two. Can ICT help to make the children learn what you want them to learn? So that's the second. Can technology help in this learning? And then question three is: If it can, what resources will you need to get the children to learn using that ICT? And ultimately, if you answer those three questions, you create a very simple but very effective plan. 
And once you've done it, you can do it again and again and again. Just answer the three questions again. So at the IPPN conference, when I was actually presenting, and uh, I added a fourth question. Uh, it wasn't really a question, it was a step, which was um, share that simple plan on a shared platform so others can use the idea. So you come up with your question and your answer and you put it up on a little website and that would be shared with other schools so they don't have to think of their own questions every time. So for example, given that we all have to do this silly SSE thing, oh, do you know, the SSE was probably the most pointless thing that ever came into schools um, since religion. I mean, it's it's madness um, why we have to do this. It's like you just do it because you have to do it. No one ever fails it. Anyway, we have to do it. So let's say you could pick English reading as your thing to focus on for SSE. So let's ask you three questions for your SSE in reading. Question one, what do you want your children to learn? Okay, we want to improve reading levels in the school, maybe the answer. Question two, can ICT help to make the children learn what you want them to learn? Indeed you can, yes. There are multitudes of reading schemes online, for example. Question three, if it can, what resources do you need to get the children to learn using ICT? Well, we could subscribe to a website that provides this variety of reading schemes. That's it. It's that simple. Like, there's no rocket science to this sort of stuff. And sometimes things are so simple, they appear too simple to be relevant. You need a 60-page document with a big foreword. You know, just answer those three questions. The example I gave was exactly what our school does and what, mo what a number of schools that have followed my advice do. And... We actually asked those three questions about English reading and the result was in three simple questions we improved our standardised English reading scores well beyond what we'd anticipated. We found a reading scheme that served us really well for about four years and now we've asked those three questions again because as you know things always change and we found something even better. So where do we find today's ideas? Well, we do have two places and I suppose I spent two episodes ago two parts of this episode ago, giving out um, about the PDST and how they messed up the rollout of technology. But I do have to give them some credit. In fact, I'll give them a lot of credit for this because it's quite good. Many of you might not be aware of this, but the PDST published loads of videos of interesting practice around the country. Look, I'll admit they aren't the sort of videos you'd sit down to, let's say, with a bottle of wine, but they do follow a formula. You know, they're a bit humorless, and the tone of them is um, very, um, very, how can I, how can I put it? Um, very um, PDST-like, maybe. You know yourself, when you go to these seminars, the PDST, you know, in the last number of years, they've taken every bit of personality out of their presenters. So whatever natural personality you might have as someone going into the PDST, they take that out of you and they have this person who coaches you in how to speak to people um, you know um, you know there's no room for any edginess or personality or anything like that it's very conservative you know even the joke you know you might have a joke but it's a scripted joke they're all planned and it's kind of like a very bad TED talk and I don't that's no criticism of the content but it's just like you're not allowed to be yourself in a way, you you have to follow exactly, you know, you, you if you're in Mullingar, you're hearing exactly the same talk as the talk in Westport or something like that. You know, it's kind of, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's dull, you know, it's dull. But it, like if you're the kind of person who can get over themselves, or should I say, you're not like me who gets really annoyed at over-rehearsed content to the point of switching off. The PDST videos are actually pretty good for showing what can be done using technology. 
you know, I mean, they are good videos. I, I mean, to be honest, I just wish they'd inject a bit of personality into them. You know, they're, oh, you know, I, I can, you know, you can, you can if, actually just watch one and you can, you'll see what I mean. I, you know, actually watch any video from any government-backed agency at, at the moment. It's it's just, it's it's kind of like the reading off their screen. Um, I'd like to think in this podcast, although I have notes in front of me as I'm, as I'm kind of doing this, I try to inject my own personality. You might not like my personality, but I try and inject my own personality into them. Um, but these things, it's like, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, you'll say my podcast, for example, you know, you'll probably say to me, geez, Simon, you could have, sum this all up in 20 minutes uh, instead of the two and a half hours or whatever you're going to be doing for it but I'd like you know the purpose of these podcasts isn't just to you know give an opinion or just get to a point I, I like to hope that it's um I don't know I wouldn't say entertaining is the right word but certainly given it given a bit of a personality to it but anyway uh, their videos are good and if you want a pretty standard straightforward way of getting some ideas it's a place to look one other place which might be more interesting doesn't exist yet how how cryptic of me because it's going to be a little while longer before it's published and this is where uh, Richard Bruton is getting his kudos in controversial circumstances the Digital Schools Excellence Fund is basically today's version of the SIP project I talked about in the first part of this episode the Schools Integration Schools Integration Innovation I can't remember Schools Integration Plan uh, project uh, back in 1998 um, this is the 2022 version of it. It asks schools to come up with examples of ways technology could be used to enhance education. And teams of schools and interested parties like colleges or industries were, ab- were able to work together to showcase different ideas of how technology could re- integrate into the curriculum. So some of the examples that you'll probably see in the future are um, digital uh, weather stations for learning aspects of the geography curriculum. Another uh, one I saw was creating animations to improve oral language, which is cool. Um, and there were a couple of dozen of these projects and they're still ongoing and they'll be coming to an end, COVID pending around April 2022. And when they are published, we're going to actually have some really exciting ideas that can be mapped back to schools, whatever the subject might be. And the thing is, we need more of this sort of thing. We need this. We need it desperately because children are not getting the best out of technology available to them at present. And the answer couldn't be more simple. Ask three questions and share the results of those three questions. It's fine for each individual school to ask their questions, but unless you're sharing the answers to those three questions, it's only going to one place. And it's really, really important that we that we do that. And we, we need to do that as, as much as possible. And ultimately, as we land at our next stop on our train journey, while I've taken an extortionate amount of time to get to my point, once you have the basic infrastructure in your classroom, all you need to do is start asking your three questions and buy and buying those resources you need to tackle the questions you've asked. It might be a class set of Chromebooks. It might be a podcasting kit. It might be a visualizer for each classroom. It might be a subscription to a mathematics website for every child. You may even ask a slightly different first question and may come to the conclusion that you should invest in a good student management system to improve communication with parents. You may even find that the answer to doesn't happen to be technology and you'll end up saving a fortune in wasted money buying devices that you'll never never use and maybe you'll ask a different question instead of the question you asked in the first place. The barrier you might have though is the same barrier that we always face. We need to be able to anchor these questions somewhere. Now I guess we have the PDST videos to start off with but it would be really nice to get unfiltered short simple ideas in one place. 
During the first lockdown of COVID, I developed a place for that to happen on onshaw.net. I think it's, I think it's still, I mean, it is still available. I don't, I, but I don't, it's not front and centre. It's basically the COVID, COVID hotline. No, I called it the, I called it something quirky anyway. I think it was the, the um, digital COVID hotline or something like that. And it was a place I put where um, if you had an idea for technology, you would you would be able to re- put it up on this COVID page uh, for home learning. It was the idea was that you would uh, if you needed ideas for uh, remote learning that this would be a place for them all to happen. Now I only have a certain reach. I I'm under no illusions. You know that lots of people listen to me. Um, so it has to come from a higher level than this enthusiastic, over enthusiastic, loud mouth teacher that I am. So you know. Um, if you're looking for ideas, I think the PDSD or the government have to establish this central platform. Now they have one called Skullnet, um, which is which is um, which is a, place, a good place to start. But you know the problem is they don't have one where um, they don't have something where you can ask those three questions for the ideas for planning. It's good for teacher lesson plans or maybe uh, well, I don't know if it's very good at all. But it's you know you'll get ideas there and it's fine. So after that, um, I suppose. You still have, you know, you've got your, um, you've asked your three questions. You've, let's say, ordered a class out of Chromebooks or you've uh, bought your podcasting kit or whatever it might be. But after all that, you still have more money. You can't spend this money at all at all. And to be honest, this might be the first stop on our train journey today or however long it's taken you to listen to our, our journey here. That might be relevant to you because you may have done all this. You've spent the last number of years getting the basics right. You've allocated a few thousand euro every year to your ICT ideas, whether that's subscriptions to learning platforms or pieces of equipment and so on. So what if you're now sitting on a few thousand euros and uh, but you've no further ideas? And maybe that's a good point where we will get off the train again uh, at this part and we'll come back again, possibly just to wrap things up a little bit. Um, and uh, for the moment, we are leaving our, we're leaving at the point where part one, we got the history. Part two, we gave out about the rollout. Part three, we started on the basics. And now part four, we've asked three important questions for planning. We've created our ICT plan. And yet we still have a bit of money in the coffers. So that's where we're moving to in our next part of this episode. So there we have it. That's part four of this episode 73 of the proper plan for technology. Now, I I mean, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm probably downing or whatever or saying negative things about the PDST technology and education and their plans. And I am, I suppose, in a way, but I'm not doing it in a particularly... I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing it without reason. You know, I, I'm trying to compare it to something you might be used to. Let's say you're planning for visual arts in your, in, your, in your classroom. You don't need the level of planning that you do, let's say, for English um, or even for math sometimes. You know that your English and math plans are generally five or six pages long for your weekly plans, particularly when you're starting off. But your visual arts plans, you can plan six weeks ahead on a single A4 sheet of paper because it's very simple what you're trying to do. So, for example, you could be doing fabric and fibre in visual arts. Now, you don't need to know exactly what's going to be uh, the outcome that you're really going to want from that is the children are going to be able to uh, play with Hessian to, um, you know, make a particular pattern or whatever it might be. If there's no particular outcome as in they need to know this, 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 this and this. And there's like thousands of steps and there's all these, you know, various, you know, learning statements and so on. It's pretty simple what you're going to end up doing when it comes to an aspect of most parts of the visual arts curriculum. And I'd say the same could be said for technology. 
you just basically say what you want to achieve, what you want the children to be able to achieve by the end of it, and then how is technology going to help that, and how that integrate, and then basically, really, it is how that's going to integrate into the subject you're doing. So even more so, it's not a subject you're even planning. What you're planning there is how it's going to integrate within the subject and the tool that's going to be. And I just find these very long-winded uh, learning statements. I mean, they're even more long-winded than this podcast uh, are just fairly pointless. But look, that's all I'll say on this one because I, I'm just conscious after speaking for so long about these uh, plans and maybe giving out a bit too much about the uh, PDSC technology and education that I'm not really having a big downer on them particularly but I just don't feel it's necessary I understand why they do it I just don't feel it's absolutely necessary just keep things simple so if you have enjoyed this podcast uh, please feel free to subscribe to it on any of your uh, podcasting platforms whether it's Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify and all the rest of the ones that are out there I think I'm on all of them at this stage Um, if you've uh, enjoyed it you uh, can also review uh, the podcast and I'd really appreciate that because that will help other people find it more easily. So that's it for me for this week. We've one more part where we finally get to the next step so I'm sure you'll be absolutely disappointed when you come to the end of it because uh, in, in a way I'm <laughs> in a way I ah, look I'll leave it as a surprise. So listen thanks so much for listening all the very best take care bye bye.